0: You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Get your Bibles open to Joshua 24. We've come to the final chapter in Joshua, and what we've been learning all along is a people, a church, a marriage, a family only go onward When someone calls them and leads them onward, we're going to see an onward leader here this morning. I love that quote that Matt put up on the screen earlier, good intentions are worthless until they become actions and actions only take place when we make choices. Here's the big idea of this message, serving God is a choice. So much of what we heard in Matt's story were moments in time where he and his family had to make a choice. When God gives you half a heart, you have to choose to love a kid with half a heart. When your wife confronts you to step up and lead, you have to make a choice to make some changes to lead her. And so life is all about making these choices, and God has given us a choice. Serving God, moving onward with God is a choice. Do you know what that means? Wherever you are with God, however close you are this morning, it is because of your choice. Mark this down. You are as close to God as you choose to be. Does God seem distant to you? That's a choice you made because God has invited you to come with him. He is marching onward. We're going to see that here from Joshua chapter 24. And uh, here's the first thing we're going to see in the first 13 verses is this. God has chosen to serve his people. I want you to notice here, Joshua chapter 24, let's begin reading in verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Underline the word Shechem. And he summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. A lot going on there in that verse. What was happening? Joshua, the leader, was calling together the other leaders. This was the manifest retreat in Israel, okay? All of the officers and all of the elders, all of the husbands, all of the men gathered together to be led and to encourage them to lead as they went back to occupy this land. And so God was calling these men out, and they presented themselves before God. And it's very significant, the location that they met. Do you see it? They met in this place called Shechem. That is not an insignificant statement. If you were just kind of doing your daily Bible reading, you'd probably just pass right on through there and not understand the significance of where they met. Let me show you the significance. Here's a modern-day picture of Shechem. It was actually a valley in between two mountains. And it was a very prominent place in Israel's history. 400 years earlier, before they crossed the Red Sea, before they came out of Egypt, the Bible tells us there was one of the most important things that ever happened in history took place at this place. And we read about it back in Genesis chapter 12. The Bible tells us that the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. A few verses later, it says that Abram passed through the land to the place where? At Shechem. When he got to Shechem, the Lord appeared. Appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring I will give this land and so he built an altar there and worshiped the Lord he believed the promise this was the initiation of the covenant promise that God would one day fulfill in Joshua chapter 24 So all of the pages in our Bibles between Genesis 12 and Joshua 24 is God fulfilling His covenant promise to do exactly what He said at Shechem. And it was not lost on Joshua. That now was the time they needed to come back to where the promise was given and remind the leaders, you are people of promise. God wrote about you 400 years before. And everything that's taken place between the time that Abraham received the covenant until the time they are renewing it here 400 years later was a demonstration of the serving, loving, gracious God to do for His people what they could not do for themselves. Before those people could make a choice to serve the Lord, They had to understand the significance that God had chosen them and had served them well. And he goes into a very brief history over the course of the next few verses of all the ways they had been served by God. As I studied this, I counted 21 different verbs that demonstrate how God, through 400 years of history, had cleared a path and gone to great lengths to get them there to fulfill His promise. Just a few of those. Look here in verse 2. Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Notice now, Joshua is saying, It's not me talking, the Lord is talking. And he says, Long ago, 400 years ago, Your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates River, Terah the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other people gods. Do you understand that as Abram was serving other gods, completely ignoring the true and the living God, he was committing idolatry. He deserved nothing from the true and the living God. And for reasons that we have no ability to explain in God's love and God's graciousness, he came to Abraham. While Abraham was worshiping other gods, he broke into his idolatry. God his attention showed him his grace and told him, Move! Get out of the land of your idolatry. I'm going to walk with you and your children are going to be children of promise. What a gracious, loving God. All of that is included there in the explanation of verse 2. Verse 3 says... Then I took, there's one of those verbs, I took your father Abraham beyond the river and I led him, there's another verb, I led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. He didn't stop. His legacy continued to the next generation. I gave him Isaac. And, I, and to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Verse 5, and I sent Moses. Another gracious act. God appeared to Moses, gave him his law. I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out because you were enslaved. You had no ability to escape Egypt on your own. And God continues to fulfill his promise. Verse 6, then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen at, at the Red Sea. Again, You had no chance of survival. But in verse 7, And when they cried to the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. It's interesting in verse 7, The only thing the people did was cried and wandered in a wilderness. While God continued to make a way and parted seas and drowned enemies and went to great lengths to bring them into this land. Then in verse 8, Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, where they currently were living, who lived on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Do you see everything that God had done? to serve them and bring them to the place where they now could make a choice. Then look at verse 12. And I sent the hornet before you and drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. And just want to remind you, lest you think your your swords were really sharp and your aim of your archers were really accurate, um, it was not by your sword or by your bow. Just want you to understand I made those arrows go straight I made those swords swing with accuracy and in verse 13 he says I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them you eat the fruit of the vineyards and the olive orchards that you did not plant everything in the first 13 verses is a reminder That God has acted on your behalf and he's been so gracious to serve you when you were so undeserving and it is the picture of exactly what God has done for you and I individually I know that's ancient Israel history and you may be yawning your way through it but do you see the gracious hand of a loving God in your history how God Came to you when you were trapped in idolatry. You turned your back on Him and you're worshiping and serving other gods, and He broke into your history and took you out and brought you out and parted seas and defeated enemies on your behalf to get you to this service so that today you can make a choice. All of it is because Jesus Christ loves to serve you on the cross by his death and through his resurrection. He has served you in a way that is unexplainable. And Jesus loves to serve needy people. Jesus ever lives to serve. He rejoices to to, to help needy people. He is happy to serve. He's thrilled to reach down and show himself helpful. He loves to rescue. He loves to lift burdens. He loves to save. He loves to empower powerless people. He loves to clear the way of obstacles and enemies so that his people can move onward. And Jesus shows his glory best when his people need him most. And he serves his people with an uh, uh, what I'm trying to say is an omnipotent power, a limitless power. There's no obstacle that he cannot remove. There's no enemy that he cannot defeat. And he has done those things, not only in ancient Israel history, he's done those things in your history. You've heard Matt tell the stories. You have stories like that, where God did things to bring you to this point. And the only reason, That Joshua recounts the history in the first 13 verses is so he can look them in the eye in verse 14 and charge them to do this, to serve God. I must choose which God I will serve. And he tells them that here in verse 14. Now, therefore... Because of everything I've just rehearsed for you, fear the Lord and serve Him. Because God has so graciously served you, you must make a choice to serve Him. Fear the Lord. That's a a term of worship. And when we talk about service, we're not just talking about doing things for God. Service comes from an overflow of a heart that fears God. Notice it says, serve him with sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. I spent a lot of time this week just thinking about that word serve, and I wanted to be able to explain it to you. And I thought about all the different ways that people serve. And I I really think it boils down to two aspects. Of the word serve that we need to think about here this morning the first aspect of serving means to put yourself under a master when we dismiss church here many of you are going to go to a restaurant you're gonna sit down at a table and you're going to look at a menu and then the server is going to come to take your order He might even say, I'm at your service. And you may say, I've looked over all the options on the menu, and what I would like to fill my belly with this morning is chicken. And what if the server looks at you and says, No, I'm bringing you steak. Would you think that was a good server? No, because what does a good server do He takes orders, and he puts himself under another person and fulfills their greatest desires, right? They don't limit your options. They put themselves under the control of another person. Now, the second aspect of serving is this. It's not just putting yourself under but it is providing what is lacking in another person right you got an empty belly and that server wants to go and provide what is lacking you you need some food that server comes and provides what is lacking now when we think about serving god it is very important to realize but you're thinking ca- i need you to think okay i need you to think for the next five minutes can you do that can you handle that teenagers you good okay for the next five minutes i want you to think in church let me say i didn't come to church to think well try it it'll help your worship okay i want you to think there is a way in which we serve god that he cannot serve us and there is a way in which god serves us that we cannot serve him listen When we serve God, we put ourselves under his control without providing anything he lacks. When God serves us, he provides things that we lack without putting himself under our control. There's verses in the New Testament that kind of explain what I'm talking about. Jesus one day was talking to his disciples, and um, he said this. Actually, those verses are back there. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Son of Man came not to be served. Now, that's an interesting verse because Joshua just preached to his people, serve the Lord with sincerity and faithfulness. And Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. But he says, I came to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you understand this? Jesus provided what we lacked without putting himself under our control. And we put ourselves under his control without providing anything he lacks. Over in uh, Acts chapter 17, scripture says this, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath. And if you're wondering if you needed something beyond life and breath, everything. Is that kind of an all-encompassing statement? Does everybody understand that God has no need for you? You don't provide anything God lacks because God lacks nothing. God didn't create you because he needed you. Sometimes we serve God like we serve our boss. How many of you have a boss? Okay, have you like a different boss? All right. And it's probably because of the way he doesn't serve you, it's like it really makes it really hard for Him to serve, for you to serve him, right? But so many times we think about serving God like we serve our boss. Your boss needs a product. This little thing coming down the conveyor belt that needs your attention and it's going to be produced by the work of your hands. That is not the way we serve God. God doesn't need anything from you. What He wants from you is His own glory. And every time we serve God, do you know what we do? We put ourselves in a position Where everything that we're doing to serve Him, we have to get from Him in order to do anything for Him. Because in order to serve Him, what do I need? I need a life. Where does that come from? Oh, that comes from God. Um, I'm going to need some breath. Where am I going to get that? I'm going to get that from God. And everything else, every calorie I burn serving God comes from God if you serve God in a way that somehow you get the glory you've missed it every act of service is for the glory of Jesus Christ himself and that is why we're told in verse 14 that we are to serve him first of all do you see it with sincerity with sincerity what is sincerity In some of your translations, it may even say, with a whole heart. To serve God with sincerity means that there is no gap between the way I talk about serving God and the way I actually demonstrate serving God. Some of us talk a big game. Yeah, I serve God. I go to church at least once a month. (laughs) Boy, you're really burning the calories, aren't you? Right? Listen, that is not a sacrifice, right? That is a reasonable service. And when we come together, you've come and we even use the language of service when we gather together. We've gathered for the 9 a.m. worship service, right? What this is, is a demonstration of our worship before the Lord. It's our reasonable service to God. And we do it, hopefully with sincerity. Now, if you come to a worship service for an hour and a half on Sunday and the rest of your week you're serving yourself, that is not sincerity of service. Listen to me. We sin when we serve God without sincerity. And the second thing he says is serve God, see it, in faithfulness. You know what faithfulness is? Faithfulness is the default setting of a heart that is addicted to service. We do things out of habit. And if you serve God long enough, you just automatically wake up in the morning. You present yourself before God, as we read there in verse 1, and we say, God, I realize my life does not belong to myself. I am not here for myself. I am not here to serve myself. I exist for you. Anything on the menu that I can bring you today is available to to, to you. I am at your service. Is that the way you live your life? That is a life that is lived in service to God with sincerity and in faithfulness. Listen, we sin when we serve God without faithfulness. And there's one other thing. Over in Psalm 100, the Bible says this, serve the Lord with gladness. Do you understand? We sin when we serve the Lord with grumpiness. And so don't think that you come in here and parking a car or holding a door or changing a diaper in the nursery, somehow, bless God, I went to church and served today. Listen, if that's your attitude, you sinned when you tried to serve God. If your heart was not dependent upon Him for your life, your breath, and everything, you don't understand, first of all, to what degree God has chosen to serve you with gladness, And it should be the automatic response of a heart that is sincere and faithful and glad to serve the Lord. And so we finally get to verse 15. Now, i got to tell you, this is the 15th week we've studied the book of Joshua. I have been waiting to preach this verse for 15 weeks. This is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Some of you have this verse painted on your walls at home. You've got a plaque. You've got a welcome mat. How many of you have this verse somewhere hanging in your home? So, Anybody willing to admit you have a tattoo of this verse somewhere on your body? right? Some of you, next generation, I don't know. But anyway, this is one of the most famous verses in the Bible, and here's what it says. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, the word evil, that's a a pretty strong word. Would it really be true that somebody would think you're doing an evil thing by serving God? if it displeases you in any way, is what he's trying to say, if somehow you're irritated by serving God, if you think God is asking way too much of you, great. We'll give you an off-ramp, and here's your off-ramp. Choose. Choose this day. Choose this day whom... Choose this day whom you... Choose this day whom you will serve. Take any available off-ramp that you want. If you think it is unreasonable or if it irritates you in any way to serve the true and the living God who sent his son Jesus to serve you on the cross by providing forgiveness and atonement for sin and a better life and a home in heaven to live in a city that you did not build, if you think that's unreasonable, fine. Choose any available God you want to choose that somehow you think is going to treat you better and serve you more than the God who has done so much to bring you to this point in your history. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, remember those guys 400 years ago? If you want to go back to those guys, fine, go do that. In the region beyond the river, or here's another option, here's another exit ramp for you. The gods of the Amorites, those were the contemporary gods that they all had access to. They could go to the Amorite mall and pick out any god that they wanted to choose. The new gods, so you got old gods or new gods. If you need a new god, go find one. Fine, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, i got to tell you, The rest of this message is focused on you as an individual. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about how your choice as an individual will affect your house and everybody over which you have influence. But I want you to think carefully about the choice that you're about to make. Before this service is over, everybody's going to make a choice. Think about this choice i must choose decisively i must choose decisively do you understand god has given you a real choice i am fully aware of ephesians 1 4 that says that even as god chose us in him before the foundation of the earth I, am understand, I, I completely understand the sovereignty of God. I appreciate and love and preach the sovereignty of God. But the sovereignty of God and God's choice of me does not remove my responsibility to choose Him. And the very fact that I would have any desire whatsoever to even contemplate choosing God is an evidence that He is already in process of showing Himself gloriously gracious to give me a choice but I must choose decisively and do you know who I have in mind right now it's some people that I love in this church and you come and you contemplate and you think about and you count the cost and you're wondering what life will be like if I really Made an all encompassing, all determining decision to serve the Lord. And you've been thinking about it for weeks, months, years, but you haven't made the choice. And just like Joshua looked at those people, I would say to you make up your mind. If you choose to serve the true and the living God, you cannot serve any other available gods. Old gods, new gods, if you choose the true and the living God, you can only have him and him alone. Make the choice. Make it decisive. One of the most frustrating conversations I have is with people that start to talk about their relationship with the Lord and I ask them, like, when did you choose to follow and serve the Lord? And they're like, well, I don't really know. I just kind of always just kind of been around church. And I was born in a Christian family, and I just kind of grew up in church. And I just kind of I just kind of always been a Christian. No. You've always been a dirty, rotten sinner. And at some point you have to choose. To accept the forgiveness so that you can be a forgiven, dirty, rotten sinner. And that happens at a specific point in your life. It may have happened very young. You may not even remember exactly when it happened. But you can look and say, the choice has been made. I am moving onward because of this all-determining decision I have made. I'm rejecting the offers of other gods. I am choosing to serve the true and the living God. I'm asking you, have you made the choice? If you haven't, we've got about 20 minutes left in this service. My prayer, my heart's desire is that you would choose to serve the Lord if you've never made that all-determining decision. Now listen, I'm also talking to people where you do know there was an all-determining decision made. You were 5, you were 15, you were 55. But do you understand that that one choice will govern a thousand choices you will make on a daily basis? My undergraduate degree, might surprise you, is not in theology. It is in technology. Yes, I have a 1989 (laughs) degree in technology. The main thing I did in my degree was I learned the COBOL programming language. So if you need any programming in the COBOL language on your iPhone done I'm your guy okay now as I was learning to program computers there was a tool that I was taught that is a very essential tool in getting a computer to do what you need it to do it's called the if-then statement how many of you? This you, this chart looks a little familiar to you. You remember this? How many of you? This actually scares you to even look at the, There's a little shriek about to come out. It's like uh, I never get that. This is called a Boolean statement. See what I did there? Just wanted to use my 1989 technology degree there for a second. <laughs> you see the see the big diagonal there, that where the A is. That's a condition. And so the computer looks at the condition. And if A is true then the computer's going to do one thing. If A is false, the computer's going to do a different thing. Now, believe it or not, you use this every day in your life. You check the weather. And if it's going to rain, you do one thing. And if it's not going to rain, you do another thing. The reason I show you this is this determines the outcome of your life. If you choose the Lord, then your life will look like this. If you choose another God, your life is going to look like this. Can I just suggest to you, for some of you, the train wreck that your life is? is a result of your poor choice of God? Choose decisively. And if you're here this morning, you have a choice. It's not too late. The Lord has brought you through the history of your life as at this point, this is your Shechem. You have an opportunity. Not only choose, but choose this day. Some of you are procrastinators. And you're thinking, that sounds like a great option. I'm, I really, yes, yes. I choose to make a choice tomorrow. I choose to make a choice in um, after I graduate from college. I choose after I get married. Listen, choose this day. What is this day? This is Sunday. It's May 22nd. Do not let another day pass before you make the choice to serve the Lord. It's this day. There is no guarantee that you will get another day to make the choice. Make the choice. Last Sunday we had Making Harvest My Home. It's our membership class at our church. and There were about 25 couples and others that came and they made the choice to become a member of our church. But before we let people be a member of the church we have this little if-then statement they have to walk through. You see, if you have genuinely been converted to Christ and you're a Christian, then you can join the church. But if you have not yet made the choice to serve the Lord, you can't be a member of His church. We have discovered the best church members are Christians. (laughs) It's a radical concept in our day, right? The church is made up of people that serve the Lord, right? And you would be surprised at the number of people that come and want to be a part of a church, but they don't want to be a part of Christ. And so one of the things that we do in there is we challenge people. Have you made the choice? Can you see a point in your life? If you do not have a conversion story, you do not have a conversion. And last week, two people in our membership class, trying to get into the church without being a Christian, said, Oh, I might want to choose Christ before I choose to be a part of Christ's church. And two people gave their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ in that service. One of them, three years ago, sat in my office and said, Look, I just want to let you know, I'm coming to your church, but I'm an atheist. I don't believe all this stuff you guys talk about, these invisible things and this invisible God. I said, Well, why are you coming? He said, To be honest with you, it makes life easier at home my wife nags me about coming to church and it's just easier to come rather than to fight with her about not coming so i come but don't expect anything from me you know what happened he started coming started listening the holy spirit started talking he understood hey i'm responsible to lead my family i don't believe all this god stuff and bible stuff but i need to lead my family so he started leading his wife He asks his wife, what do I need to do to lead the kids? She said, I'd really appreciate it if you'd read the Bible to them. Okay. So he grabs a Bible, starts reading the Bible to his kids. He starts believing what he's reading. And three years later, he comes to the church membership class, gives his heart and life to Jesus and says, I'm gonna choose to serve the Lord. Do you understand that that's a miracle? And that's the choice that every person has to make. Do you know it's harder for a person who grew up in church to choose to serve Christ than it is for an atheist? Why? Because you've been inoculated to the gospel. Do you know what inoculation is? An in the immunization? They give you a little dose of the real thing to prevent you from getting the real thing. Some of you have been immunized, and you don't even think you needed a choice. And you don't even think you need to make an immediate choice today. But listen, not only choose this day, choose this day whom you will serve. There are plenty of available gods to you. But please understand, you can choose your god. You do not get to choose the consequences of your choice. Every god, either with a big G or a little g, demands a sacrifice. We talked about this a little bit last week. Because some of you have chosen the God of your career, your career is going to demand that you sacrifice your marriage. Because some of you have chosen your children as your God, you say, well, I'm supposed to love my children. Absolutely. You're supposed to love your children, but your children are not to be worshipped and served ultimately. If your little two year old is demanding you to sacrifice your time, your sleep, and your marriage and your money, and you just keep bringing those sacrifices, your child is your God. And your child will demand sacrifices that you should never make. If you worship and serve the Lord as the center, God will never demand you to sacrifice your children or sacrifice your marriage. Some of you have chosen to worship the God of baseball or soccer or sports, and your soccer schedule will demand that you sacrifice your worship at church at the gathered worship service of other believers. All gods demand sacrifices, so choose responsibly. The sacrifice you make to that God will determine your outlife, the outcome of your life. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You must choose personally. If you grew up in a Christian home, if you had a Christian mama and daddy that loved you and drug you to church. How many of you had a drug problem when you were a kid? You got drugged to church every single week. Do you understand your mommy and your daddy cannot make this choice for you? You personally must choose. Will you worship and serve the Lord or will you just ride the coattails and draft along other people who have made the choice? You must choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. I must choose repeatedly. Notice it's in the future tense. This one all-determining choice will govern the choices I make today. And so, this choice to serve the Lord controls other choices. It, It controls what time I set the alarm at night before I go to bed. Because in order for me to serve the Lord, I know I've got to get up and meet with the Lord before I meet with anybody else. And my family appreciates it when I meet with the Lord before I meet with them. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father when I meet with the Lord. And so that's choice. It's already been determined. I'm going to lose a little sleep because I'm serving the Lord. I I don't have to make a choice on Sunday what I'm going to do with my time. I'm coming to church. I don't have to make a choice where my money goes because I'm serving the Lord. My money serves the Lord. And before I get my greedy little fingers on it to spend it, it's already given away to the work of the kingdom. Now, listen if your daily choices do not reflect that you have made the decision to serve the Lord, I have every right to question whether or not you have actually made the ultimate choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you made the choice? I want you to bow your heads right now. Nobody looking around. This is an important moment. Some of you have been coming. Some of you have been listening. Some of you for 30 or 40 years have been in churches, but you cannot look back at a point in your life and say, I have made the choice. You've just gotten caught up in the current. Have you made the choice? As for me, in my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. If you've never made that decision, I want you to choose Christ right now in your heart of hearts with heads bowed and eyes closed. Talk to the Lord. Present yourself before the Lord. Say something like this. Lord, I have worshipped and served every other God but you. My heart is bent away from you. My appetites are for things other than Christ. but I've heard your voice today. You've spoken. I understand that you have served me so well as Jesus gave his life on that cross. And today, I choose Christ. Thank you for the offer of forgiven sin. Thank you for a new life. I will serve you the rest of my days. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if this morning, if this day is the day that you've chosen to serve the Lord, would you just lift your hand? I just want to rejoice. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to rejoice. Today is the day. Just lift your hand in the air thank you. Are there others? Thank you. Are there others? Today's the day. I've put it off too long. In just a moment, Matt's going to lead us in a song. We're going to close the service, and I'm going to invite those of you that just lifted your hands to come and tell one of our pastors That today is the day that you've chosen to serve the Lord. And the rest of your life belongs to Him. It'll be your way of confirming that decision and going public. Listen, what was happening here in Joshua 24 was a public event. And those that chose to go onward with Christ made it known who their God was. I'm going to invite you to do that. And just come and speak to one of these pastors. You don't have to make a speech. You just need to acknowledge today's the day. I'm walking on. For others of us here, you're Christians, and yet you know how easy it is for you to serve the gods of this age. Why don't today you tell the Lord, God, I want to renew my commitment. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for bringing us to this point, and thank you for being so good to serve us so well. Thank you for Christ. And God, I pray that from this day forward, because we've chosen Christ, then our lives will reflect how worthy you are as our great treasure. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. My favorite song that Matt does is a song that is a pastor's heart. The reason I love this song is I think about you when I listen to it. Driving down the road, I'm like, man, I'm seeing faces in my congregation, and I know some of your stories, and if I could make the choice for you, I would, but I can't. So I asked my, uh, Matt to sing this song just so that you could kind of know what your pastor's heart is for each one of you. Why don't you listen and respond to the Lord.